Hey guys, G-Man here. Thank you so much for downloading this week's podcast. Greg, the Prophet Piatelli, and I break down a full week of sports that includes us wrapping up the Olympics, the NHL trade deadline, Tiger Woods and Justin Thomas at the Honda Classic, the NBA is back, some college basketball's championship week opens up, and we finish up with a little Oscars talk. As always, please remember to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, ThunderBLG is the handle there. Thunderblog Sports on both Instagram and Facebook. ThunderblogSports.com is where you can find all of our blog posts. And enjoy this week's episode. Thanks again. And we are live from Philly and Boston. Welcome to this week's Thunderblog Hockey and Hoops Hour. Presented by Thunderblog Sports, a part of the Bullpen Cart Podcast Network. I, of course, am the G-Man, Jordy Cannell. Join me, joining me in a sequel to last week's glorious episode is my man, Greg Piatelli. How are you, my friend? Not bad, Jordy. Not bad. Uh, you know, it's a um, great, great day, great week uh, when I can talk to you and to do it back to back and uh, for the rest of the world to hear is even better. yes so we are here third hockey and hoops hour as we've been calling it on these interluding episodes but we're close to the bulk pen cart being back we'll touch on that a little bit later but we're going to start with hockey first of all greg we got to give ourselves a a quick pat on the back it's gonna be really terrible i might have to edit that out but our juju we sent it the right way we did this a week ago we sent it to the women's hockey team and they fucking delivered yeah it was i mean i don't know if you got to watch the game or replay or anything but it was a it was a i mean great game um you know the you know skill notwithstanding and speed and what have you um you know i think that you know in terms of women's hockey and and setting the game in the right place i think it definitely helped the only thing that uh you know i have a major issue with is something that we talked about a little bit is just sort of the idea of a shootout deciding an olympic game but uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on that? So I'm not a fan of the shootout. I've never been a fan of the shootout. I, I don't really like that any sort of elimination game gets decided by it. Um, pretty canned take, but I mean, it's you know, it's a shootout. It's basically a coin flip. That being said, it was incredibly exciting. Um, they are exciting in general, especially if you go to a regular season game and watch it. Fine, the Flyers won the other night and won, but the NHL doesn't even count it as a full win. It's the that doesn't count if. The first tiebreaker is what's called regulation plus overtime wins. Um, again, not to take anything away from Jocelyn Lamoureux or anyone else in that shootout, um, but you know, I'm not. I'm not a huge fan. What What about you? Yeah, I mean, it's same thing with the World Cup when it comes down to penalty kicks, and it's just yeah. you know, it just seems, especially the World Cup. You know, they're out there running around for two hours straight. It seems like, and then all of a sudden, we got a couple like 15 yard kicks that determine like a win. You know, it's 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 a difficult thing. It's almost, you know, changing the strategy because if you're a team that has lesser skill, you almost want to pack it in on defense and force a shootout and just practice shootouts all the time, you know, exactly. sort of get the wins that way. And I think during the regulate during like the, the preliminary rounds, I think the shootout wins don't count as much as the, as the win outright. Well, the, Oli- the Olympics take an even further approach than what the NHL does in terms of points. And this is the same for the men that a regulation win, so including overtime, or so excluding overtime, so within three periods is worth three points. Anything in overtime or a shootout is worth two points, a win. 
and then a loss in an overtime or a shootout is one point, and then they further delimit it if it, you need to keep boiling down the tiebreakers to shootout wins and losses. So yeah. they take an extra step by actually putting three points up for grabs rather than in the NHL where they do it's always two points for a win, and then there can sometimes be a third point if we need an extra five minutes played. Right. Because it kind of comes from like back in the day when there were still ties, the NHL found out that, or basically just did what you were just talking about. Teams that weren't, that knew, all right, we got to this extra frame against an awesome team. We can just stuff five defensemen or four defensemen because they eventually went to that onto the ice and just pack it in and, and get this, you know, play for the point instead of playing for two points. So they, they gave the, they started giving out an overtime loss. Then they got rid of ties. So they added shootouts. Then they started getting more and more shootouts because they realized the same thing that you could just play for the shootout. So they wanted to, to disincentivize that. And now we have the regulation plus overtime tiebreaker in the NHL. So, I mean, I wouldn't be opposed necessarily to bringing back ties. I don't know. It might be an unpopular opinion, but I think the shootout's just tough because you do get those extra wins in everything. I might also be saying this a little jaded because the Flyers have never been good at shootouts. You have yeah. to, if you look at the historical data, you have to basically remove the Flyers from it because they're such an outlier. But yeah, I just I also that. never liked them from just how they've just how it goes. It's fun to watch, but it's not fun to determine, you know, standings, and it's certainly not fun to determine the overall champion of something. Yeah, I think we're getting away from Olympics versus NHL here. Um, yeah, 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 you're right. You know, I just, I mean, the NHL is, is fine for what it is in terms of regular season so that the overtime games don't go on forever and ties for the stupidest thing in the world. So I'm glad they put something in. Um, and I think the three-on-three has helped a little bit. Yeah, it has. In terms of not, not going to as many shootouts. But with that said, um, I do feel that, you know, Olympics and World Cup, you know, especially – things of that magnitude that happen once every four years and like really are things that shouldn't come down to something so yeah. minor, you know, like I can understand maybe, you know, Stanley cup happens every year. You know, you could argue, you know, it's not as valuable as a world cup every four years or an Olympic gold every four years, you know, you could make that argument. So, uh, you know, and you don't see, again, you don't see a Stanley Cup coming down to a, a shootout. But, like, my yeah. point, you know, my point just being, you know, a four-year a clip, especially for the women's hockey team, um, you know, they really don't have much else. You know, they have the world championship every year, but it, it really comes down to Olympic gold, and that's yeah. really They called they this their Stanley Cup. I mean, exactly. and this is played four times less often than the actual Cup. Exactly, exactly. And, and yeah. you, know, you could argue the same thing with the World Cup. So, for me, for those two major sports to come down to a shootout and, and penalty kicks, I think is yes, well, exciting. But if my if, if my country or my team were to lose, uh, obviously USA. But if if they were to lose in that scenario, I think I would be not the USA soccer would ever make it that far. But I think I would no. be pissed more than anything else. And like how unfair it is that you know essentially you're asked like you said a fifty fifty coin flip of. Yeah, you can say it's strategy and practice and all that BS, but at the end of the day, it's 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 really a matter of a guessing game from the goalies and the players. Yeah. So, so I have a thought, and maybe we can be the first ones to to sit on this take, but we might not be allowed to because we're millennials. But you know how everybody blames millennials for everything. <laughs> can, let's blame millennials for loving D two the Mighty Ducks in the Big Green for shootouts and penalty kicks becoming more prominent. <laughs> Can we do? Are we allowed to be self-hating millennials? Like, is that a thing, or is that too hipster? Are we now jumping into hipster territory? 
You know, Jordy, uh, millennials go from babies born in the 80s to babies born in the mid-2000s. So I guess yeah. there's a huge range of people that we can blame. And uh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to go. The 80s babies are the ones that are making the money now. So I'm going to blame our parents and the baby boomers for perpetuating this, uh, you know, we still get a point for a lost thing. I'm going to blame the baby yeah. boomers. <laughs> All right. Well, before we uh, get a, a generational war going, quick thought: What was your uh, reaction to can to Canada and Germany and the Germans getting oh so close to winning the gold medal? You know, yeah. I mean, going beyond. I mean, the Canada Germany game. I mean, Germany jumped out to an early lead, and Canada really had to fight back and fight their way into it. So literally, they threw bows as soon as they went down four one. If you didn't see the game, what'd you say? I said literally had to fight back. They threw they Germany takes a lead halfway through the second period for those that didn't watch. And Canada comes out on the next faceoff just throwing elbows at Germany. Like these are way higher hits than they need to be. So fighting is the the literal verb to use on how they uh tried to claw their way back into that thing. Yeah, and I mean quite frankly, I mean Germany had a better strategy for that game and they deserved to move on to the gold medal game. I'm happy it worked out for them in the end. Um, you know, it's one of those things that without the NHL players, it really was, you know, I think it worked out for the NHL because they had the, the shittiest teams essentially with Germany and whatever making the finals. And it kind of worked out because now the NHL is like, see Olympics, you need us. But, uh, I'm glad Canada didn't win, but, um, Germany, what I really want to talk about is how close Germany came to winning a gold and, yep. you know, if it wasn't for a couple choice penalties, they probably would have, that game probably would have gone to a shootout um, with how little time and overtime was left at the, you know, at the final clip there. So I, I wish it had gone to a shootout. I, you know, we were talking about it the other way, but if it had gone to a shootout, I really, I really would have wanted Germany to beat uh, the Olympic athletes from Russia um, just because I don't care about either country. But at the same time, uh, you know, too many penalties and, and with that much star power with the Olympic athletes from Russia, I think, uh, you know, there's, they had did not have a chance of winning with all those penalties. I guess my question yeah, to you tough. is, Jordy, my question to you is, does Anzi Kopitar make a comeback or try to make a comeback to the NHL? He and, could. Uh, I mean, Datsuk is talking about it. Um, Kovalchuk was talking about it. We've seen some players that played in the Olympics already get signed. Your boy Gianta. I'm gonna call him your boy because he's on the Bruins now. Uh so it's possible. Um Wait, who did I just say? You said Anze Kopitar, and I thought he was still on the Kings. So oh, I was yeah. taking no, yeah. A, I, I was I picking did. up what you were putting down. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Thank you for doing that. I was just looking at Kopitar because I was looking at the Kings uh yeah. additions of I, I was picking up what you were putting down. Thank you for that. Um, I appreciate that. But I got you. But uh <laughs> to answer your question, I think they, they certainly could. Uh, it's crazy how it all goes. Like Pavel Datsuk, you could, I don't think there's, you can go deep enough into a conspiracy theory to think that he purposefully sat out and left the NHL so he could go be, you know, go win the gold medal and, and join the triple gold club because he's now won the world, the world championships at Stanley Cup and the, the gold medal for those that don't know. But I mean, he could certainly showed it there. He, he's still Datsuki and he could go back and play in the NHL. So I think any of these guys could to answer yeah, but the I question. Think, I think it's also a matter of like Detroit is in such a rebuild and they're going to be so bad that it wasn't really worth it for him to. Yeah. If, 
if he nope. goes back now, he can't because he he didn't retire a free agent. He retired a Red Wings, so he'd have to go back to the Red Wings, right? Exactly. So I think I think at the end of the day, in terms of the NHL, he made the right move, yeah. um, just based on you know everything. But did Kovalchuk retire a Devil? I think it was a combo of like his contract ran out, and they like kind of bought he him that mega contract. Remember. Yeah, he had like the ten-year deal, so I guess he still has one. But I think they bought him out, which is like allowed. Yeah, him they might have. I was gonna say if you're Cop- if you're Kovalchuk, or he like maybe he maybe the Devils are making a push. We're gonna talk about this in a second, but why not at this point? Go go provide some leadership to the yeah. young the young Devil squad. Yeah, P.S. Great transition, Jordy. Yeah. Um, trade deadline. I mean, was this one of the most yeah. active ones we've seen in recent years, or what? Yeah, you and I were texting about this the entire weekend. It really started with the Bruins making the, the trade for Rick Nash. Sunday, yeah. I think he overpaid because the the Rangers kind of come out like bandits with a lot of the picks and what and um the Nemeshevov or however you pronounce his name from Tampa. Yeah, I mean honestly, um it's so tough because you know the Bruins gave up a, a kid in college in, in Ryan Lindengren who uh, is a captain as a sophomore, so that should tell you his leadership. And he's a young defenseman. And yeah, the Bruins don't really have a lot of space for young defensemen because they already have so many on their NHL roster now. But they lose their third line center in Ryan Spooner, who was a power play guy. He has a ton of speed. He's one of the fastest guys, not only in the Bruins but in the league. And you know, he 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 really is a top two center, but he's just stuck on a Bruins team that has Krejci and. Bergeron ahead of him and um you know it's a tough position for him to be in and and he really was a great third line center and I wish they had kept him but yeah, they did they had to give him up in order to get uh you know Rick Nash and and sort of go for it all this year and unfortunately the bad news is now looking back on it you know we're we're 3 days away from the deadline and Bergeron announced he's got a broken foot so who knows yeah. you know if he's going to play through it or or what that's going to look like uh he definitely- he's out for like 2 or 3 weeks isn't that the the timeline they gave yeah but it's a matter of his foot still going to be broken in after those 2 3 weeks it's just a matter of they letting it rest for as long as he can and then True. and then we'll then we'll stomach uh stomach what you can for the playoffs yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know they gave up some draft picks which you know, it's it, that's the tough part for me is is you know teams are really building through the draft now and and the Bruins especially you know same sort of deal and it's a, it's uh, a process is what you're telling me. Yeah, I mean the 76ers try to claim that they're the ones who came up with this, but like teams have been building through the draft forever and and uh, yeah. you know there's 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 things to be said about teams that are you know especially hockey wise that. I, mean, I, I know. I'm just fucking with you. You could argue. You could, no, argue, I, you could argue, Jordan. You could argue Vegas uh, is the ultimate uh, trust the trust the draft process. <laughs> well, I mean, look at them. They they didn't even have to let up let a dude go. They just traded draft picks to get guys. Yeah, I mean, good for them. Tatar came out last night. I mean, I think he was the only person of of big names that got traded because you had Rick Nash score and save a goal. You had Paul Stastny who got traded from St. Louis to Winnipeg score. You had um, – fuck, who else am I blanking on? Um, help me out here. Who else – what other big names got traded? Um, Evander Kane. Kane. He didn't play – I don't think he played last night. Um, who did the Wild beat? I talked about this on the blog today. Um, 
Uh, anyway, but you had all these guys that just got traded immediately make pay off for their pl- for their teams. I mean, you you saw it firsthand. Literally, Rick Nash put the team on his back, and then your boy Charlie McAvoy with the snipe in overtime. I saw a replay of that, and it was pretty fucking sweet. Yeah, he's he's. I mean, we talked about it. You and I talked about it a little bit with the Celtics and the Bruins. Sort of that young talent. Are they going to hit that? Are they going to hit that wall heading into the playoffs? And I think the Bruins really want to get some more veteran leadership and really solidify their top three lines so that they could, they wouldn't have to rely on their rookies coming into the playoffs. And obviously, they want to, they want to work on the rookies and, and use those rookies because they are they haven't playing so well and those young guys. But at the end of the day, um, you know, going into playoffs, you really want that veteran leadership. The toughest part, Jordy, is all the teams that are in the top spots right now got better. You know, everyone, every, it seems like every team in the top spots reloaded and, and sort of picked up top players. And, and it, and it, you didn't really see some of those teams on the bubble making those huge moves to try and even get into the playoffs. Um, you did a little yeah. bit with some teams, but you know, it really is like. Yeah. Columbus, Columbus traded for a couple guys and they did a pretty good job with that. Yeah, um, it was Ryan Hartman with with uh, with Nashville who beat who scored the game winner to beat Winnipeg last night. Um, yeah, was the, right. the guy I was like, talking about. You know, what I mean, I'm talking like um, you know the Lightning picking up McDonough and JT Miller, and, and exactly, yeah, the Devils picking up their all their guys, and you know the, you could say that the and like you said, Vegas picking up Tatar and Reeves. I mean, you could nice. say that the team that on the edge that really did nothing was the Capitals and the, and the Flyers in terms of the Flyers picking up another, uh, as you said, middle of the, middle of the road, old goaltender, but he's been playing well all year. So I guess you got to give him that for having he's relatively good- young. I think he's 26, but he is more middle of the road. He's it, scouted to be pretty well, but he was the backup there and he's played very well. Um, yeah, and you get speaking though, of the, the Lightning getting McDonough and JT Miller, they were, th- there was thrown around that they might try to get Carlson and, Nemestic enough. I'm pr- really fucking his name up, but his name was thrown around as a guy to potentially be thrown around for Eric Carlson. The Rangers got two prospects along with with Nemestikov, their first rounder in 2018, Tampa's, and then Tampa a conditional temp, Tampa first rounder in 2019. Could you imagine what Ottawa had to have been asking for for Eric Carlson? Because the Rangers got a fucking haul for their two guys. Yeah, I mean, the Rangers, not only did they get all these young, unbelievable players and prospects from not the Lightning and the Bruins, but like you yeah. said, two 2018 first-round picks, uh, a 2018 second-round pick, a 2019 second-round pick that becomes a first-round pick if the Lightning win the Stanley Cup. And exactly. So they could essentially have three first-round picks based on the Lightning winning the Stanley Cup or not. And, like, I mean, if I'm the Rangers, yeah, like you said, they come away like bandits and they want to rebuild anyways. This is perfect. Um, yeah. You know, Ottawa, I don't think ever really wanted to to part with, um, you know, part with Carlson. Yeah, Carlson. He wanted to, it seemed. Well, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I'll give you a rod if you give me fucking every single player. You know what I mean? Like, I'll give. Yeah, you, that's true. You know, I'll give you LeBron. Sure, if you give me like. Dwayne Wade and 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 every other top guy you can think of, Steph Curry. Like, I'll give you LeBron for Steph and Durant. You know, like, yeah. I think it's one of those things where how do you trade a guy that last year single handedly brought you brought you there? Um, you know, it's close to bring you to the cup. Yeah, I mean, he 
what, a game or two away. Um, they were an overtime period away. Exactly. You know, how, how do you, how do you part with a guy that did that for you last year? And yeah, he was hurt all year, but like, you know, he's your captain of your team. He's the staple of the franchise. He may not, he may want a ton of money and he should be paid for it. And he rightfully so, but like he scored again last night from essentially no angle from the, from the goal line and just proved yeah. even more how stick nasty this kid is. But um I mean, they, Ottawa didn't do bad. I mean, they they loaded up a little bit. They got some they got some picks that they can build off of, and yeah, they reloaded a little bit. It just seems Carlson seemed a lot like you to use your LeBron reference. He looked like LeBron in twenty ten against the Celtics in the playoffs. So when yeah. the, when the Flyers played that beat them on Saturday, so that's that's where I was coming from. The only scary thing is that we talked about like the the pe- the Penguins get in. I mean, forget about it. You know? Yeah. Right. The Penguins get in, forget about it, and that's just scary. Um, they looked kind of mortal last night. New Jersey beat them. This is two that we're talking about Tuesday night, and Taylor Hall. Who, if the Devils get something beyond, let's call a wild card spot, like if they get the three in the Metro, he's got to be at least a finalist. I don't know if he wins the Hart, the MVP, for those that aren't familiar with the uh, the names of different uh, trophies in the NHL, but. He's got to be a finalist for it. He scored, and I think it's it's a number of games now, and he's gotten a point in, I think, double digits at this point. But New Jersey's making a little charge. We talked about how last week they're pretty young. It looks like they're starting to recapture what they had at the beginning of the year. Yeah, and, and you know, teams, especially if we talk about young guys, go up and down in terms of that confidence and their ability level. But it, they kind of remind me of an Edmonton of last year. Yeah. Um, and some of those older guys might be gone next year and they could have another slip like Edmonton had this year. But, you know, it could be fun. It could be fun just to get, you know, the Devils, especially when you and I are growing up, we're such a staple in the playoffs. And uh, that, don't remind me. Yeah, I mean, Scott, yeah, Scott Stevens always there. But, uh, you know, little let's play, let's play a trap game. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, Jordan, you look at some of the teams that are slotted to make the playoffs right now. I mean, Nashville, you know, we all saw that environment. Winnipeg, I think, is going to be a great environment to have a have a playoff series. Uh, Minnesota has been dying to get out of the first round for who knows how long. You know, Vegas is going to be yeah. Vegas and the Sharks and the Kings. And I mean, so I want to ask you about the Pacific Division. Sorry to interrupt you when you're jumping out of the Pacific. Yeah. So we mentioned Evander Kane. He went from Buffalo to San Jose. He's still a little banged up. San Jose's get still a little banged up, getting healthier. Vegas, while taking this, you know, we're the island of wanted toys mentality to a now 10-point lead in the division. Do you think San Jose is a dark horse to come out of that corner of the of the playoffs into the Western Conference Finals? Because if they get healthy and they're just kind of floating around, not to be punny with them being sharks, of it kind of on the cusp of being a Pacific team, but if they get fully healthy, are they them and, and LA frankly, because Jonathan quick's just been that good, but the winner of that series could, could make a run at Nashville for the West. I think. Yeah. I mean, the scary part about the Kings is that they're getting back. Um, your old, your old boy from Philadelphia who Mike Richards, yeah, he's he's or Jeff Carter. Jeff Carter, sorry, Jeff yeah. Carter. Well, know, Richards was been up and down. That's why I asked. No, Jeff Carter. You know, he's he's been injured for most of the year, um, yeah. and he's coming back. And they picked up, um, you know, a 
Scott Wedgwood, who yeah. was trying to help their back end just because Quick, uh, you know, struggled a little bit with how much he was being overplayed, and you know now he's now he's going to be there. But he, like you said, he's looking great as of late, and and I think that LA might have too much of that experience, too much of that that push. I mean, San Jose too, they added Evander Kane and and essentially upgraded from Evander Kane. Daniel Regan, who essentially they traded a one for one with some picks, but yeah, um, you know it's tough because you know someone like Evander Kane has that sort of edge that San Jose needs, and he has that sort of little you know pop. If you they're, will, they could be scary. Yeah, the crazy and- thing, LA just swept a home and home with Vegas and made Vegas. They dummied them. They dummied them in Vegas. I mentioned it on the nightly roundup for today, the Wednesday one for those uh, listening beyond Wednesday um, that they made them look mortal, but granted they played back to back nights, So they didn't have a chance to go out and get after it in Vegas, or at least not as much as you might. But I mean, they still took care of business. They won four one in Las Vegas. So, I don't know if the Knights necessarily give up the top seed, but they might start to look a little more vulnerable. Yeah, I mean, here's the problem. Here's the problem: is Nashville is they're just their their goal differential is just on you know, it's unreal. I was going to try to say the Kings have by far the best defense, but I but I had to scroll up a little bit to see Nashville has only allowed two more goals than them and have scored nearly twenty more goals than them. Yeah, (laughs) and and not for nothing, but you know, Nashville reloaded too. And it, and yeah. it, Ryan Hartman and, and Brandon Bolig are, are by no means slouches. And those two guys at uh, the deadline are really, you know, going to help in terms of that. Um, you know, they lost, um, you know, they lost who's, who the, uh, well, the point is they, they, uh, who's, who's their, who's their captain last year? Well, they just re-signed him to a one-year deal. Yeah, that's what I was to say. They lost him, and he's back. Give it. His name is Mike Fisher. He's Carrie Carrie Underwood's husband. Thank you, thank you. Um, You know, he's you know Hartman's a rental, sure, but he's he's you know a young, fast wing that um, you know really provides some that physical game that Nashville likes to play. And and with Fisher coming back and that that leadership, sort of just in time for you know, imagine being retired the whole year and then sign a fucking playoff contract would be so sick. Dope. Um, you know, the, the crazy thing too, I just, I just looked at one of the predators page. Claude Giroux leads the flyers with 70 something points. Do you know what the, what the, uh, leader in the clubhouse for the predators is right now with a better offense, mm. mind you, mm-hmm. it's PK Subban with 48 points total. Damn. Yeah. They have, I need to count the count it out, but they have a ton of dudes with 20 goals a ton of dudes with over 20 points. It's just, it's a balanced attack. They have a great defense an awesome goalie. I mean, they're, they're scary. And the, and the, the rest of the centrals just kind of sex, except for Winnipeg really has been kind of this revolving door at the bottom of it. The Western wild card is going to become this weird race that you almost can't, you almost couldn't sell a playoff spot to them. Right. So as it stands now, just so, uh, yeah, we're on the same page. Yeah, I mean, as it stands now, um, you know, Vegas will play Dallas, San Jose would play the Kings in the first round, Nashville would play Anaheim, and Winnipeg would play Minnesota. 
And everyone's sort of chasing Anaheim because they have the 74 points. They're sort of the low low man as it stands at this current moment. Oh. And Dallas I don't know. Vegas good. would play Anaheim because Anaheim would be wild card. They'd be one seed. Vegas, Vegas plays Dallas because the whole um, division thing. Well, well, they're both – so basically the reason why Greg and I are, are getting into this stiff, it's whoever – oh, because Nashville, they're tied in points. Nashville's played last game. Never mind. You're right. I was looking at wins. I forgot to look at the games played. My bad. Yeah, I mean, I'm right. You're wrong. I get it. Um, <laughs> no, listen, honestly. So Gotta listen to Greg. Everyone's chasing Anaheim right now, but like we said, Dallas very easily could be that last place team, but Calgary's a point behind. St. Louis is two points behind. Colorado's made a huge run this year, three yeah. points behind. Um, St. Louis, though, seemingly is, had just sold out. I mean, Braden Shen came out as soon as they traded Stastny and like flipped a shit, which... I mean, they've lost seven straight. I kind of get it of why their GM's like, hey, let's try to get something while we can. But you're still right in the heart of a playoff race. You're two points out of, out of a spot. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, they, like you said, sort of, I don't want to say go, you know, gave it all up, but they, I don't know, they didn't think they could p- compete this year, which is tough, tough, tough message to send in the locker room when you're three points out of the, or two points out of the playoffs. But, um, you know, it'd be interesting. Calgary, if they make it, you know, they, they made it last year and they, you know, got that experience and Gaudreau is still Gaudreau and, and Kachuk, I think, I think Kachuk is, is so underrated in terms of how he gets on yeah. people's skin, kind of like a Marshand. And it's great to see And Colorado is just sort of one of those teams. That's like, like, you know, we traded our best player and we're fucking 15 times better because of it. Um, yeah, right. You know, how funny is that? Yeah. McKinnon obviously being how young and nasty he is, is yeah. just awesome. So, um, it's going to be interesting. I mean, prediction right now, Jordy, who who fills those seven and eight spots in the uh, in the West right now? Or I'd have to say, I'm going to say Dallas and Calgary. I'm going to say Calgary gets by Anaheim. Anaheim's just been a little inconsistent for my taste. That's awesome. I'm going to say Dallas doesn't make it. I'm going to say Calgary and Anaheim. Okay. Uh, I think I think at the end of the day. Anaheim is too much of that. Uh, been there, done that before, and they're very much always one of those teams that's no one really notices or talks about. And I think uh, that's a very good point. They usually they're always a second half threat. I mean, they've yeah. gone from like fifth to first like that. Yeah, so, and, they, and you know they also had some guys who were hurt an hour back. So you know they've been playing they've been playing well as of as of late. Um, and you know they're only going to get better from here. So it's true. Anyways, uh, let's go to the East. So I'll give the things for the East currently, and then you can give us the same sort of deal. All right. Um, you know, I feel like all the time, Jordy and I always talk about the East, so it's good we talk about the West this pod. So oh, uh, as it currently stands, Tampa would play Columbus. Toronto would play yep. Boston. Uh, Washington would play New Jersey. And Philadelphia and Pittsburgh would play each other in the first round. Oh, oh man. Everybody – at this point, at this current moment, is currently chasing Columbus, um, and it seems like everyone else. Columbus is really the only team, in my opinion, that that might lose out on this spot. Um, Islanders four points out of Columbus. Carolina uh, is four points out of Columbus. Florida's five points. Detroit seven points. Rangers nine points. But they obviously sold for broke. So, you know, it's really it's. The East is is almost set, I would say, with the exception of Columbus, and obviously some there's some shifting around in terms of who would play who and and what rounds and what have you. But 
it's looking pretty pretty square pad as as seven out of the eight teams almost seem to be locked up. Obviously, there's a lot there's a good amount of hockey to be played, but Columbus. Um, sort of that that last team, but like you said, they geared up so much that they could be fine. But they're at sixty nine points with the Islanders and the and the Hurricanes and the Panthers sixty five, sixty five, sixty four. Yeah. So your opinion? Anybody catch Columbus? Anybody jump them? I don't. I think Columbus is good. They're they're not fine. They might sweat it out to the end, but I think they're going to make it. I'd love to see the Islanders get in. They really didn't sell out for what they had been doing. Their issues is that they play like garbage away from home and what had kept them up in the top three of the Metropolitan for so long is that they somehow played really well at the Barclays Center despite shitty ice from what we've been told and just really not an awesome home ice advantage, but that's sort of caught up to them now. I think they're just, they're 16 and 15 now when they hadn't lost one game in regulation until like December. Um, they've just got, and really cold Carolina's kind of at that point you and I were talking about it flat either last week or a couple weeks back that at some point they had to fall off they've now lost six straight and that seems kind of like what's happening uh Columbus just loaded up a little bit I don't think they necessarily catch New Jersey that might be a point of contention um the reason I say that New Jersey looked pretty good against Pittsburgh I mentioned before Taylor Hall on a tear so if he cools down they might stay in the wild card as much as I'd love to watch the Flyers continue to tr- to trade spots with Washington, they have a game in hand and are only down a point. I don't know if they necessarily, because they're in the same spot as New Jersey to get to stay as hot as they are. They are nine zero and one in their last ten games. They're finishing up February basically going. I think it's ten one and two, uh, so ten and three. Uh, awesome month, but. Again, you know, you play Pittsburgh two more times down the stretch. Originally, I was scared of playing the Rangers two more times, but you did pretty well at Madison Square Garden before the Rangers sold off, and then they sold off. You play Carolina tomorrow night. Carolina could try to play spoiler. You have to play Columbus a few more times. I think you're done playing New Jersey and Washington, but you play the Bruins two more times. They're a solid team. You go to Tampa on Saturday, where you did win earlier in the season, but that's tough to do twice. So I don't know. I think I'd say Washington might stay one. I'd want to see Pittsburgh get up there selfishly as a Flyers fan and thinking that they probably drop to the three spot. And I'd rather play basically the same matchup you had two years ago of the Flyers and Capitals in that two, or no, uh, but in the two, three rather than one wild card. So I'd go to sh- to settle things in the Metro Penguins, Capitals, Flyers, then Devils, Blue Jackets is the wild cards. And then I'd flip Boston and Toronto. So I'd go Tampa, Boston, Toronto. So Tampa plays Columbus as, as it stands right now. Pittsburgh plays New Jersey, Flyers, Capitals, Bruins, and uh, Maple Leafs. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think the Penguins catch both Philly, Philly and Washington. I think the Penguins yeah. overtake them. I'm, and the only reason why I say that is because, yeah, the Flyers are on a 901 tear right now. Yeah, it's um, too, they're, they're not – too close to the sun, but they're dangerously close that they could just really flame out before the playoffs start. Yeah, and the and the Penguins are one of those teams that you know you knew they were going to put together, and yep. 
you know, you don't win back-to-back cups without coming out a little slow and sluggish in the beginning. Um, and I think that they're going to – they're on a 7-2-1 and clip right now, and yep. and their home record is just off the charts. And, and yeah, it looks they're, like they're going to home games left. So um, I, I I foresee them making it interesting. If not if not going up to number one, I at least see them getting up to two. Um, yeah, so- I- if either Washington or or the Flyers, I think Washington really did nothing at the deadline, and I, yeah, they added a defenseman, but like it, they really didn't do anything, and and that doesn't send a great message to the locker room. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, last year you went out and got Kevin Shattenkirk, and then you let him walk to New York, and you don't, you haven't really done a lot to replace a stud defenseman like that. Yeah, and you know they they saw how last year it didn't really work doing anything at the deadline. You know, it didn't change anything, so I think it was it sort of re- made them reluctant to do the same and i think you know maybe it sends a message to the guys you know we believe who we got or whatever whatever you can think but um that's what hextall's trying to send to the flyers he has said that a number of times yeah i mean we i'll gladly i want to also just point out i will gladly eat my words i wish i will eat my words come mid-april and the flyers have done something miraculous but it's just they've done what new jersey did in the middle of the season and have now seemingly rebounded from of just show their, they could easily show their youth like they did in their 10 game, their 10 game skid coming down the, back in uh, November and December. But who knows? I mean, the, the one thing too, just on Pittsburgh, that's so impressive is that they were getting dummied early on in the, on the road, which that's really their one glaring weakness. They're 13, 16 and three, but they were getting really beat up and their goal differential, despite being right around a little bit below where they were in the standings, was pretty abysmal. And now it's the best in the division, plus 18. I say that because Tampa, Boston, and Toronto's are all unreal. But Pittsburgh's really climbed out of that that in the red of a goal differential, which to me is, is a pretty big uh, sign of improvement. Yeah, and you're right. And I think it's it's – I mean, we've we've had differing opinions about about the Flyers all year, and and I just think that I don't know. At the end of the day, I think uh, Flyers—they're just young. That's it. They they're young. They need to figure out what they want to do with their guys in the AHL who have now have. But we talked about before. There's we talked about before. They're kind of caught in that limbo. They're they're caught in that. They're outperforming a little bit, but they're caught in that sort of you know, good enough to make it, not good enough to go anywhere with it. And, and, you know, I think it's a matter of, you know, they need to either cut their losses and go young like everyone else or, or really. The thing is they easily could. They got guys that have been in the NHL at times this year, like Travis Stanheim or Stanheim, no T uh, down in, down at Lehigh Valley who solid. He's playing very well down there. Right. You know, and they almost have to do what the Bruins did and, and throw some of the guys to the wolves. We've talked about this a lot offline. Um, yeah, just commit to it. You know, commit to yeah, the commit to it. You just really need to. You yeah, brought up Oscar Lindblom. Veterans, they're veterans. They're veterans re- I mean, yeah, Drew is Drew, but like Simmons is a Borchek's really good. Simmons, he's had a great year. Simmons is a joke this year, and and well, he's of, hurt right now, so that's yeah. That you, you need to get him healthy all year. Um, all year he's underperformed. Yeah. He's done decently well, but you also have dudes like Andy McDonald who's floating around, and that guy whiffs the puck half the time he tries to clear the zone. So, I mean, there the, the Flyers defensemen and what's going on with them, That's a there's a lot I could say about that, but for the sake of time, I will uh I mean, here's pause. the problem, right? Here's the problem, right? Outside of – we can talk about talent and everything like that, but 
let's 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 start at the root cause. Goalies, you know. The Lightning have a goalie that can win. The Bruins have a goalie that can win. The the Penguins have a goalie that can win. You could argue. I'm going to give you a homework assignment because I know the point you're getting to, and I'm going to give everybody a homework assignment. If you're a Flyers fan, you know this already. Look up every single Flyers goalie since Ron Hextall. <laughs> it's not an impressive list. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could argue, George. You could argue the Devils have a goalie that that has already won. You know. Yeah, absolutely. No, no, no. I'm agreeing with you. Flyers goalies. It's for whatever reason. It's not. It's incredibly difficult if you're proven outside of Philadelphia to come into Philly and play for whatever reason it is. You can say it's the fans all you want as an outsider, but it's they need one. I'm agreeing with you. And I want Carter Hart to be older so goddamn badly because that guy is tearing up the WHL. But I agree with you. Absolutely. So that's, I mean, honestly, you know what I would love to see? I would love to see Marc-Andre Fleury versus Matt Murray and Vegas Knights versus Matt Murray and, and the Pittsburgh Penguins. No. Um, They've beaten him in Pittsburgh. No, I know. I would just love to see that Stanley yeah. Cup matchup. Just sort of that, that final F you from flurry, but uh, well, yeah, that'd be interesting. I mean, awesome. Murray's, I think he has a concussion right now. So we'll see if um, how Pittsburgh holds on. Um, but yeah. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Let's um, let's move over to the golf folks. We wanted to, to give a, few thoughts on tiger because i know you and i could just make this the hockey hour but let's talk golf you had the honda classic this weekend yeah tiger woods not only make the cut but at one point on sunday was three or four shots off the lead depending on when exactly you looked at it and then he hit the bear trap (laughs) tiger woods for those that don't know shot even par on the on the weekend he was Minus eight collectively over the four rounds on holes one through 15 or 14. I think 15 is where the bear trap starts. He was plus eight in the bear trap, including three over in the final stretch of four holes. But Tiger looked pretty good, Greg. He looked pretty, uh, pretty good when he didn't have a driver in his hand. We talked about that last week, but the driver was still a little spray yeah, I mean, and he hit he hit a duck, right? Yeah, he did. You know, it was a goose. He did hit a goose. Sorry. The biggest thing for me with Tiger is I'm glad he's wearing a collared shirt again. Yeah. <laughs> this fucking weird, <laughs> yeah. weird like mini, almost looks like a t-shirt, but there's still the V with buttons. Yeah, and I get that he's trying to promote the new thing, and Nike and him are trying to do the new golf apparel and all that, blah blah blah. But I'm glad some, some endorsements, you know. But I'm glad he's back to the old collar. Um, but no, I mean, you're right. He did look sharp and I'm not sure when his next tournament is. Um, but I think he's playing one more before the, the masters. I'm, I think it's Bay Hill. So that's a couple weeks away. He's not in Mexico this week. That's where they are uh, starting tomorrow. We had talked about whether or not he, he deserves to be on the Ryder cup or, you know, if you think he could make the Ryder cup and, and I think he should, he can. Yeah, I mean, as a fan, obviously, I want him there 100%. Um, but Could you like, imagine Tiger versus fucking, like, Henrik Stenson just doing the fuck? Remember Rory versus Patrick Reed two years ago? Could you imagine that? But it's Tiger doing his fucking double arm bump. Terrible radio right now, but I'm doing it because I'm so excited. It's like, 
oh my god could you imagine i'm just yeah, but oh i'm so happy but let's look at it this way jordy justin thomas just won another tournament uh, another young american who you know speed dustin johnson ricky you know bubba won a tournament two weeks ago i mean yeah. there's so much there's so much american talent that it's so hard to to like who would you put tiger over you know and and yeah. you know i mean if we really want i mean we could talk about the fedex list and how it breaks down that way but like we'll we'll, we'll johnson, save that for another time i mean we have a lot of tournaments to get through well i know but i'm saying is like you know johnson reed speed you know justin thomas you know even jimmy walker i mean phil jimmy walker you know, a little, uh, little saying, you got, down you there got, you got a lot of american guys up there that have played on that Ryder cup team i mean obviously i want tiger 100 percent. it's just yeah. it's a tough 12 man team yeah, I mean it's a tough, tough thing to do, and and you know how about how Keegan, about Keegan can make it? He looked good this year. Yeah, so Gary Woodland could make it. Shout out to him, winner of the Phoenix Open. He's been I, pretty. I thousand percent, I thousand percent want Tiger, and uh, you know he keeps putting up the numbers he puts up. I mean, you know the guy's forty years old. I mean, I would love, I would love, uh, love for that to happen. But so uh, one last question for you before we move on to basketball. How badly, I don't think he does this weekend because they're in a different country. The next tournament in America that Justin Thomas plays in, how badly do you think he gets chirped on every tee box? Uh, give the story for those at home who don't know it. Yeah, so those that don't know, Justin Thomas on the 18th hole, tees off, and as he's watching his ball go, a guy goes, get in the bunker, get in the bunker. And as as it's in the air and the golf channel showing the bird's eye view flying over, you can hear Justin Thomas go, who said that? You? All right, buddy, your day is done. Calling this guy out, kicking him out of the tournament. And, you know, didn't really take it very well. He then goes, he then wins in a playoff, says, oh, fuck yeah, when he makes the winning putt. And then when he's asked about it, he goes, oh, I didn't mean to, you know, I hope I don't get fined. I didn't mean to make it such a big deal. So he didn't take getting some criticism pretty well. Last week, of course, he made the comments about playing with Tiger, saying, you know, oh, the crowds are so loud around him. I don't I don't understand it. And, you know, it was pointed out on a on the on the foreplay podcast that he double bogeyed the sixteenth hole at the Phoenix Open, which is the one the stadium hole, uh, twice. So it doesn't seem like he likes playing around fans too much and now he's had a couple bad looks so yeah so so my thing is here cutting in and and not to not to cut you off but no 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 no. you're no this is good yeah i mean i i just think that at the end of the day i mean rory said the same thing as justin thomas that you know tiger you they say when you're playing with tiger and the groups and the crowds that are around him you lose two or three strokes every round just, well, just Rory said that about tiger he said i don't know how tiger does it he must have lost two strokes as a tournament to which barstool's rigs commented that tiger should have won 19 majors and would be the greatest of all time so i support rory in that sentiment well i guess my my point being that like these are guys who especially justin thomas being so young like you know, they haven't played with crowds like this ever before. Yeah. You know? Like he's the reason Tiger's the reason though, why, why they're getting paid millions of dollars to win fucking golf tournaments. You're right. But they've never had to play with tiger. You know, yeah. you could argue there's a handful of guys who have experienced Phil being one of them who have experienced a real true tiger crowd left on the tour. And 
especially a Sunday, a Sunday at a tournament where Tiger's still in it. And, and like you said, two or three strokes off the lead and like has a chance. And like, you know, Justin Thomas is a, what is he? 24, 23, you know, 24, I think. Yeah. Could I you mean, imagine though, these two guys playing at Augusta, but I'm just and saying, the 18th like, hole. It's just a fucking some, party tiger. in The fucking last group of the masters. Yeah. But you got to remember Justin Thomas, right? He's him and him and Spieth have been the, the U S junior championships for who knows how long, you know, they've been the number one golfers for us for who knows how long they've, they've had success in, in their sports since they were teenagers. And now all of a sudden the pressure's getting to him. I just don't buy that. You know, I just don't I think, don't think the pressure is getting to him. I just think, the crowd, the crowd thing. I mean, the crowd thing is a good point. I think it's just a matter of he's never seen it before, and I think. Yeah, I think it's just a bad look. I think eventually, maybe we'll, maybe he'll figure it out, or maybe he just comes away as a little bit more of a villain. I don't, I don't know. I see. I, I think it's the opposite. I don't think he has any. I don't think there's any sort of. That's what all the tour players have been saying. They said he's a super nice guy and all this. I just don't think. I just don't think he. he I don't. I don't think. I don't think it affects him negatively. I don't. Th- I don't think he. Get, yeah. I don't think he's going to be affected by it. I think it's a matter of like. On the one hand, you know, here you are locked in a thing. You know, sure. You're nervous. He's 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 tied on the 18th hole. He, he's probably heading to a playoff. He's nervous about that with some scrub that he ends up beating in the playoff, obviously. But like, Luke List looks pretty good. Let's not, not, not deny Luke List here. No, and then you get he some random. down the barrel of a gun against a proven major champion on the 18th some, hole, and both of them then you get some random, that, that then you get some random fan who's rooting for you to fail. Like, get the you know, get the fuck out of here. If, if some guy said that to me and, you know, if you and I were playing and you were like hit in the bunker, I'd be like, fuck you, Jordy, you know, like, excuse my language, but, you know, <laughs> I would say the same thing. So I'm glad Justin Thomas would have said the same thing to me. <laughs> I'm glad in the position to be like, get, like, get this fucking scrub out of here. Like, good luck, pal. Like, get <laughs> all this money to stand outside for eight hours and you don't even get to see the best part of the tournament. That'll show you, like, prove your lesson, you fucking piece. But, so my original th- question was not, will he be affected by it? I was just saying like an over under on how many times he gets chirped. Cause I think I agree with you. I think he can probably play through it. He should, he's won a fucking major championship, but how many, I, mean, I just wanted an over under estimate. Yeah. I think from here on out, I think it's going to follow him. You know, it followed Rory for, for a while too, yeah. for all, what was it? Last it followed year. Sergio. If, uh, there's a whole list of dudes that people just fucking love to hate. Yeah, and it, I mean, it, it's just, it's just, it's gonna, it's gonna happen. You get those golf pardos who like shoot, like think they can shoot par on 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 you know their average their average country club course, but then they. Oh, dude, I used to work with a guy that was like that. Like he put on the fucking Masters in, in April, and he goes, "Yeah, man, you know, I'd you know, I'd hit a casual nine iron on, on you know number you know, number 12. Yeah, like, shut the fuck up. No, you would like, shut, shut up. up. These guys are these guys are driving the ball further than like it takes me five shots. Yeah, shut know. the fuck up. Like, yeah. get out of here. Yeah. So um, I, mean, I I think I think he's definitely mature for a while, but he also you know was like I should have had him kicked out and went to his Twitter rant and blah blah blah. But like you know at the end of the day, golf has never been a chirp sport. Golf has never been fans like you know have never been really allowed to to do that stuff. So. On the one hand, like I said, he this is the first time you experience a tiger, uh, you know, a tiger sort of environment, and it's tough because, Jordy, people talk about all the time about how the crowds run ruly, and and those golf purists when Tiger first came on hated Tiger because he brought those fans and because he made the game so um, common. I guess you know he brought it to to the to the common folk, and it was no longer a rich white person's board, and and Tiger really made it that 
that that lesser shooter McGavin. Yeah, shooter McGavin method. Right, and and people really, you know, really sort of resent him for that. And I think you're starting to see again this this re, you know, people are back into golf. You know, yeah, it started with Spieth and and Justin and uh, Dustin Johnson and Justin Thomas. Like it really started with these young guys sort of reinventing the 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 you know the U.S. fire, if you will. But I think with Tiger back, it even makes it even bigger. I think it makes the crowds even, even, even louder. And and it's just exciting to see how, like you said, moving forward, uh, you know how how the crowds are going to be controlled and how people are going to chirp. I mean, we're not going to see it too much. I mean, we can hear it via Twitter, obviously. But um, you know, I, I'm excited to see where they go, and and you know, I'm looking forward to the next Tiger, uh, the next Tiger week, and and hopefully he continues to build off of it, and hopefully. Oh, yeah. Brings his A game to the Masters, and and uh, you know, let's uh, let's give us a final point, and let's move on to basketball. Well, I was just going to say they're at the WGC Mexico Invitational, I believe is the full name of the tournament this week. Um, it's at like eight thousand feet elevation, so big hitters hitting the ball, fuck ton. Just Dustin Johnson gets an arm and a leg above everybody. Um, not that's just not just because he's tall, but he can hit the shit out of the ball. Nice. Um, so so it should be a lot of fun to watch. Oh, I had to go with the puns, Greg. You know me. Should be a lot of fun to watch. Um, some people didn't want to go down and play play in it. I believe Jason Day and Rory were two of them. Uh, but still, pretty good field. Justin Thomas is down there. Gary Woodland, I mentioned before, sleeper pick. He can hit the ball pretty well. Uh, good five, good uh, par five player too. Uh, but. Watch out for that. You should see, uh, I think it's Golf Channel, CBS, all that good jazz. Um, but, yeah, moving on to basketball, we have you know, a number of things to kind of digest here. We're finally back from the All-Star break. We were not back the last time you and I uh, sat down to talk, you know, the, this stuff. So what have your thoughts been uh, since since the B-ball came back, Greg? Um, yeah, I had a the question. NBA, I Do you think say. these uniforms are going to be the rest of the year? Is this like a promotional thing? Are we doing the end of February? What do we think? Which uniforms? These like they have like all these these special uniforms that they've been wearing for oh, a Oh, the time. city? Yeah. yeah. Well, so the so the NBA decided this year for those that don't know to do four new uniforms instead of calling them home away and all all alter, uh, alternates. I believe it's the the legend the statement, the city, I forget, and the signature. What well, I forgot the four, the four names are. I'll Google this while I explain it. But basically, they have just four different sets of uniforms. They can decide to wear them wherever the hell they want to. But to your point, you're seeing these uniforms. The Golden State Warriors have it with – is it a deer that's on there? It almost looks like the Jaeger logo. Mm-hmm. Um, the Miami Heat, I've seen them in person. It looks like Miami Vice. Um, but the, the – it's basically, I believe, you can just choose to wear it whenever the hell you want to, though, uh, like soccer teams do. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I mean, obviously, as a Celtics fan, you know, more of a purist for the uniform. Um, some of them are good. Some of them, like the the Miami's uh, little like Miami Vice theme they got going, is pretty cool. But um, you know, I, yeah, I pretty cool, of, you know, cool. I know person. every year, I know every every year NBA always does something for Black History Month in February and. They did like a Mexico. Well, they have the shooting shirts that they're wearing for Black History Month. But they also did like the Mexico, like the like the L Heat and the all that. Did they do that this year? No, but they did a couple years ago. Is what I'm saying. So yeah, 
you know, they, I know they try to do something every year and try, you know, yeah, it's low money. Sixers. It's all money, right? It's all it's all for money. Yeah, low but, Spurs. Um, yeah, I mean, that was just my quick thing. And then in terms of the NBA being back and and from the All Star break, um, you know, Commissioner Adam Silver saying tanking has no place in the NBA and and find the Dallas Mavericks six figures and and for Mark Cuban's comments and and his his you know role in the whole tanking thing um you know what do you as a as a fan of a team that tanked for so many years in a row um what do you feel about the new commissioner's comments on on tanking well he's always been anti-tank the there's a long-standing conspiracy theory of the of the colangelos coming into philadelphia and taking over that being said whether or not you should tank or not um you know i mean if you want to put your team through that level of turmoil to the point that, you know, the Sixers had at least a deep enough roots settled within Philadelphia that now that they're back and in full swing, that they, you know, are back to selling out games or getting damn close to it. Um, and to the point that even in the, the depths of the process that you had crowds that were, you know, the upper decks barely fold filled to the point that you could buy a last row seat and go all the way down to the front row of the, of the upper bowl. But that being said, I wrote an article about this about a year ago that you would have those games, but that deep rooted fanhood, you know, if you're playing the Sixers played, I think it was like the, the Rockets or somebody, and they pulled the game to within 10 points. And the crowd was going absolutely ape shit. So if you believe that your fans long winded answer to your question will stick around and you think that it can take, four years it basically took the Sixers to go from the 2013 NBA draft where the Sixers trade Drew Holiday for Nerlens Noel and the number 12 pick in the or no for Nerlens Noel they still have the number four pick anyway but they took Michael, oh, Michael Carter Williams um that worked no well they traded Drew Holiday they got Nerlens Noel who had just been drafted by the Pelicans uh, and then they took your boy Michael, Michael Carter Williams who went on to bring rookie of the year CJ McCollum was a pick before him not a big deal, Lehigh University. Um, but then you had the you had the, th- the three plus years, four years of a uh, you know, real, real pain. I mean, last year was fun when Joel Embiid was healthy, and even afterwards they still played pretty well. And now you have these guys that you, know, you really earned their sh- earned their stripes. I know that's a Yankees term, but really they earned a ton of respect from people in Philadelphia that really paid attention to the team. The Robert Covingtons, who's now nationally recognized as a great three and D player, but guys like TJ McConnell, who, you know, was an undrafted free agent out of Arizona. And you know, he talks about on JJ Reddick's podcast of getting just fucking worked by your Celtics in his first ever NBA game. And he worked through it. Brett Brown, the guy that coached them through all of this, you know, but again, to answer your question, if you believe that your fan fanhood, cause that's where all this money's going to come from that, shared revenue, all that good stuff. If you believe that you can keep your fans in it, then by all means, in my opinion, go for it. Because there is, we just talked about with the Flyers, there's somewhere in between it, there's, Jesus, that's not even a sentence. There's some limbo that you're going to go into that you can float around, hope that you can sign somebody big, or just keep trying to throw you know shit against the wall and hope something sticks through the draft, which is what the Sixers did a number of times and, you know, got lucky that their fir- the one guy they picked, their first full draft in the process, 
finally was healthy and has stayed relatively healthy this year. And then they were able to get another guy that's turned out to be a pretty awesome point guard who needs to work on his free throw shooting, not the rehash the Miami game from last night, but Ben Simmons do better. Yeah. I mean, I, as the Celtics fan, the Celtics have never tanked um, just because they're way better than Philadelphia. Uh, Didn't you try to in 99? Listen. And the Spurs got to Duncan? Listen. Listen. The Celtics have never tanked in their life. Um, <laughs> uh, no, Jordy, honestly, it's, it's one of those things where – Or not 99, whatever Tim Duncan's draft was. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where you, you never want a team to do it and, and you would hope that you know there's not a ton of talent coming out of the NCAA for this year's draft as opposed to years past, but – you would hope that teams would still uh, still play for something, um, but it's just not the way the system is. And, and they try to help it with the ping pong balls and all that BS. But, um, you know, it is what it is. But for a team like Atlanta, who's 25 games out, and Orlando, who's 24 games out, and Brooklyn, who's never going to be good because they trade away their future for the next, like, seven years, um, you know, and the Suns, who are 30 games out, and the Kings, who are 29 games out, and the Grizzlies, who are 28 games out. It's just like you're never going to get there this year. Why not cut your losses, like you said, and, and try to build moving forward, um, especially those, those areas like Sacramento and Memphis and, and Atlanta who just aren't going to attract big names in any way, shape, or form in the free agency. But, um, you know, it, it is what it is. Sorry to go on this rant about, about tanking everyone, but, uh, you know, quick NBA thing. Um, Celtics, on a little, you know, they had a little skid coming out of the break, but, you know, starting to course correct themselves, a half game behind Toronto. Um, you know, two games in the loss column, but still, still sitting pretty in, in the two slot, which is nice. And uh, looks like the 76ers, Jordy, are gonna are gonna lock up a playoff spot. And and sort of, I know it's Hell too yeah. too early to tell, but they, it looks like they, you know, Detroit with Blake Griffin could could make a run here and a push and bump out the Sixers. Um, but you know, I think uh, the Sixers. You know, like the Celtics, just need to get that 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 playoff experience and give some of the young guys, uh, you know, that little thing. But you know, it comes down to the big question everyone's talking about: Can anyone beat Golden State? Can anyone beat Cleveland? Um, you know, we talked about it a little bit last week with the Rockets and and even you know the Spurs and, and the Thunder. We said the Thunder too, and Jesus Christ, they got bullied on Saturday night. Yeah, they did. And the Rockets yeah. on a 13-game win streak is what it is. But, um, you know, it's one of those Houston's things. Jordy, still that... only came up on Golden State, though. So, Yeah, you're right. And and I don't think anyone's beaten Golden State. I think the Rockets make it interesting. And, and I don't think Toronto's going to do much in the playoffs um, because at the end of the day, they need defense to, to be better. And, and their defense hasn't been great all year. And I think Cleveland – here's the X factor, right? LeBron. And the difference is that this year the Celtics have Kyrie, which he's a proven winner and what have you, but there's still zero. There's no one on the Celtics who can guard LeBron and there's no one on any team in the East that can guard LeBron. Yep. Um, you know, Embiid is, Embiid is a huge body, but he's too slow. And no, he, he wouldn't guard LeBron. You probably put maybe Ben on him. Yeah, good luck with that, pal. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Golden State really has the, the tools to stop them. So, 
yeah, that's my thing. I think Golden State wins again three years in a row, but uh, or whatever, yeah. whatever, whatever, whatever. Three of four, but yeah. What's what's the next one? Let's move on. I, I fuck the NBA. Let's go Celtics. Oh <laughs> uh, well, let's do a little a little college basketball. Wrap things up. We're starting to get into uh, open up championship week. We have to I guess call it championship week and a half with the Big Ten tournament starting. Um, I found this out the other day. The Big Ten tournament starting because they wanted to play it at Madison Square Garden so badly. The Madison Square Garden has been the longstanding site of the Big East tournament, both of them. Uh, shout out to your boys. But regardless, yeah, the tournament because it pulled out of Charlotte because the whole bathroom law BS. Yeah. But the, well, the Big Ten doesn't have anything in Charlotte anyway. But no, the ACC. Sorry. Where's the ACC playing there? Playing theirs. That's what I'm saying. They they pulled out of because North Carolina. They used to do in North Carolina, Charlotte, where the Bobcats yeah, yeah. pulled out. Oh, yeah. So anyway, the Big Ten's playing it in in fucking New York because they want to have because they have Rutgers, so they have the New York market or whatever the hell they want to say now. But they're playing it right now this this weekend. I think it starts tonight because of the fact that they want to be in New York, so they compress their schedule. The Big East said, no, we're not giving it up. And now the Big Ten, who might produce a one seed. Yeah, they're playing their Big Ten. They're playing right now. Iowa's beating Illinois with five minutes left in the second half. Again, we're recording this on Wednesday, so whatever it ends up happening. How many weeks I think it's away? the dumbest fucking thing in the world. Why the hell would you? How many weeks away are we away from Selection Sunday? Selection Sunday is next Sunday. So it is It is Wednesday February 28th that we're recording this. So not this upcoming Sunday, but the next one. So essentially they're doing theirs a week early, so their teams get a week off before March Madness. I guess so, but you also, I don't know, I think it's stupid. You want to try to, what, try to get television television revenue? There's still good college basketball on. Yeah, they get television revenue, one. Two, uh, you know, their top teams aren't gas going into the tournament. They're not playing they're not playing five games back to back and then turn around the Sunday before they have to play a Thursday, Thursday, Saturday um game for their for the real March tournament. You know, you get that week off, you get a chance to rest some guys, you get that you know, especially for their top teams, it, you know, it makes some sense. And, and as we've learned, it's all about money and the big story, which I know you we want to avoid, but the big story oh, no, I'm fine talking about it. Yeah, the only story we really need to talk about is this whole this whole uh, paying players and recruits and and everything like that. And end of the day, I think you and I fall in the same place. Um, I say pay the boys. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we fall on the same page there. I, it's not that I wanted to avoid talking about it. It's certainly worth discussing because it could have huge implications going forward. But it's just one of those things. I'm not as well versed in terms of the legality and, and all that stuff. So I tried, I avoided it more just to the fact that I don't want to sound like I'm a, like an idiot. Not the fact that I want to avoid it altogether, but on this, on this itself, um, the way that they do it, they do it like how the Big East did at the very end, where they have the top seeds get th- get two buys. So, if say Michigan State, the one seed in the Big Ten tournament, were to win, they'd play three games in three days. But that's a good point. You don't have to go three games in three days. You finish it off on Saturday, or, or in this case, they're finishing off on a Sunday and then go back and play a 16 seed four or five days later um, or 15 or whoever. But still, I mean, it just seems crazy to me that you're not going to put it on 
on selection Sunday itself, when you used to be able to be the only game that's on, I mean, you're playing this yeah, like, the big 10 many, tournament. How, how many mid major, how many mid major tournaments are going on now? You know, how many mid major tournaments end in the middle? That's of the a good point. Ivy league, that's a good point. Championship this weekend too, right? Like, yeah, you know, the Patriot league starts tomorrow. That's a good point. All these other leagues get the same thing. So now it's just a major conference doing the same thing and allowing their teams a whole week off, you know, because, you go, you get Florida Gulf Coast, who was done two weeks before they played Duke or whoever the fuck they beat. And it's just like Georgetown. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah, you're getting, Georgetown had to play a tough ass Big East schedule and they had to play five, they had to play three games back to back to back, three days in a row, get three days off and then turn around and play fucking Florida Gulf Coast, who could jump through the roof. Like, guess what? You, they're not going to have the legs to beat a team that has two weeks off. So, you know, right. especially going through a grueling Big East. So, I mean, it's, on the one hand, I understand your frustration, and a major conference shouldn't do this. But at the same time, as a major conference, is it genius? You know, that's the question our, our, we should be asking. Um, you know, yeah. is, it, is it is it the smart move? Should other teams do? Should other leagues do it? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So my whole thing with it is that they compressed their their conference schedule. So you played. Instead of two games a week, you're playing three games a week. So, yeah, I get you're getting a week off to kind of catch up, if you will. But I don't. Know, I feel like you're almost running a risk of. I mean, granted, we're now we're now hindsight's twenty twenty, so we're not looking terribly back at it. But yeah, but they're just they're going boom, 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 and I guess the NBA does the same thing, but the NBA is twice as long. Yeah, but think about how many big games they had on ESPN this, this year. Think about how – I mean, the Big 12 was all over ESPN all year long, you know? I feel yeah. like I was watching West Virginia play every fucking week on the on ESPN. Well, that's because I think the Big 10 network – I think – doesn't Fox own the Big 10 network? And they're real, and also the Big 10 network's just its own deal at this point. Yeah, but that has nothing to do with ESPN playing them all the time. Well, they were they're on ESPN. Everyone, uh, never mind. We're arguing about t- bull, bullshit, <laughs> just dumb shit at this point. But what, what My I'm point saying, being, what I'm saying is that like, yeah, like to, to get this, and I just think it's I think it's kind of weird to compress your schedule just so, just because you wanted a place so badly. I didn't think about the week off. That's a really good counter argument, but I think it's just weird to. Yeah, I mean, it's the New York exposure. Yeah. It's the. It's the you own the weekend essentially, right? I mean, I was gonna go into what else is happening this weekend, but we can. Yeah, well, Duke plays UNC again, so you're losing that for your night games. You have West Virginia Tech. Uh, that's a shitty game, but West Virginia is playing. Uh, Syracuse plays Clemson. That's actually a decent game. I'm just running through it now. Georgetown Villanova, which is a big deal, even though Georgetown sucks this year. Fuck Villanova. Yeah, and, and then, I mean, to your point as well, Gonzaga is already starting their tournament, so, you know. But I, I don't know. It's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, I mean, Xavier, they're all they're, that whole, they're all doing it. But the point is that... Well, Xavier's, in the, Xavier's in the Big East now, aren't they? Oh, so they're playing this weekend, yeah, okay. Yeah. But, or next weekend. But, yeah, I mean, that's my point is that, like, you know, it's all TV ratings. It's all, like you said... Yeah, MSG. They want the. I understand your initial question. They want the New York, yeah. the MACA, all that BS. But it, it really is deeper than that. They want the television exposure, and it wasn't getting done. It wasn't. There's getting nothing. Done. There isn't anything on Sunday, but college basketball wise. But but here's the thing, Jordy is is are they going to sell out the Garden? You know, are they going to get? They could. Out? I mean, the New York's always gonna... a wild card because they did that on College Game Day for football, where. They were able to. Tom Rinaldi was able to hit up like forty different bars that are specific to 
major conference majors colleges. So, but is TCU going to travel to fucking TCU fan base going to travel for a basketball game to fucking MSG? You know, the Big Ten, not Big Twelve. Sorry, is 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 fucking Michigan or some? I guess Michigan has a terrible example. Give me some. Give me some. Is Purdue going to fucking travel up to to MSG for a game this weekend? They could. I mean, Michigan does does travel very well, as does Penn State. They've done um, a number of times where they'll do a hockey game during the day and then put the court down and play a uh, basketball game that night. So basically just get a two-for-one. That's a pretty cool experience. I know some friends that have done it. Uh, but that's a good question. I mean, y- you know, there's enough people that have done it for college football teams. So it's potential. there's potential in it. So... All right, it could happen. Let me let me let me give you a quick little little subject change to end the pod here. We've been on it for who knows how long, but let me give you a quick little. Uh, those who are still with us, thank you so much. Let me give you a quick question. What are you looking forward to more this weekend? The NFL Draft Combine or the Oscars? Ooh, that's a good question. That's actually a good way to end it. So I'm not a big combine guy. Ooh. Might surprise you. I like the NFL draft a lot. Okay. I usually just kind of take a chill pill on the combine. I might have it on in the background. I'll probably have the golf on compared to it. The combine, though, I'd rather just read how everybody did and then formulate my own opinions on the draft itself. That yes. being said, okay. I also love the Oscars. Mm. I think they're fun to watch. I like to watch all these movies, even though I didn't do a very good job of it this year. Um, but I do love the Oscars. I love having a pool for them uh trying to pick who did what and you know figuring out how all that works it's going to be interesting to see how it all goes with everything that's been happening in hollywood um so that's something to you know to watch out for if you will but uh i'm excited for the oscars it should be a lot of fun yeah so i'm a huge combat guy and less of a draft guy i think it's the opposite i think it's more of a you know the patriots in me because they you know you know, you can always scrutinize the Patriots draft and blah, 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 and they just trade picks for no reason uh, sometimes. But um, I'm a big combine guy, and, and you know, I, I'm not a huge award show guy, but obviously, you know, the Oscars are different, and, you know, I tune in here and there, but I'm never really, like, let me sit down and watch it from beginning to end. Yeah. Um, however... You know, this is, you know, obviously it's the Oscars and you still do tune in every now and again. Um, but I'm a big combine guy. I, I love the combine. Um, you know, I you get to see some of the drills, which I like, you know, some behind the scenes stuff. You know, you really get to see coaches sort of in their element coaching that you don't get to see every day. You know, you don't get to see some of those D coordinators and position specific coaches actually running drills and, those are the things you don't get to see. And for me, I've always enjoyed the practices or not in practice, but like learning through drills and learning how coaches approach the game and how, you know, not that obviously players are going to work hard in those drills, but like you learn so much in terms of the movements that players are doing in a specific drill and how it translates to a game and how they can really evaluate based on how a guy cuts from one thing to another, you know? So, this is the Berkshire 2008 Most Improved Football Player, ladies and gentlemen. So, uh, good job. Yeah, yeah I mean, not even that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, I was just talking more of, <laughs> you know, I was just talking more of like at the other day. I think 
I, I guess I'm a fan of of people. You know, I guess I'm a fan of learn of learning learning the game and learn, learning how people people evaluate different uh, different things. But um, you live in a house of learned football guys. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough for me. Um, like I said, I, I do like to watch those things in the combine and have it on and all that stuff. But the, Oscars, the best thing though, the Oscars I'm looking forward to, and and I'm looking forward because I've seen this is I guess this is the first year I've seen the majority of the movies, and this isn't like have you seen them all. No, I haven't seen them all, but it, I've seen the majority of them, and it's one of those things where it's like last year I didn't, I still haven't seen the, the all of La La Land, and I still haven't seen that La French La La movie, Land. and I still haven't seen the French movie that has like zero words and all that bullshit that. Won. Well, I don't do the foreign ones. No, but remember, there's a French movie that had zero words and it won an Oscar for like picture. Of the Are year. you talking about the artist? I don't know. I don't, it's a fucking. Yeah, that, that was like that was actually one of the first Oscars I won. Or that I watched, not one. Jeez, man. Congrats on winning the Oscar, Jordy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Applause to me. Yeah, all right. Um, No, but like that's my thing. Is so so long story. You know, whatever. But you know, that's this year. I've actually seen the movies. You know, and and I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to to see who who wins what and and where they fall. Um, Who's your favorite of the? uh, Let's just do of movies nominated for best picture. Yeah, go ahead. Give give the rundown for those who don't know. Yeah, so it's Call Me By Your Name, which is a, a movie that takes place in Italy. Uh, I don't know the younger guy's name, but him and Army Hammer basically have an affair in Italy. Um, I've not seen that. But uh, Darkest Hour, story of uh, of Winston Churchill, played by Gary Ullman, basically takes, takes place at the same time as Dunkirk, both are World War II movies. That's Christopher Nolan's one. Get Out, if you don't know what that is, Get Out. Lady Bird, movie directed by Gerda Gerwig, um, basically coming available coming of age tale uh, about a teenage girl growing up in Sacramento. Phantom Thread is Paul Thomas Anderson's newest movie starring Daniel Day-Lewis and apparently his last movie ever. The Post was about, I think, Richard Nixon's uh, in Watergate uh, in the Washington Post. The Shape of Water, directed by Guillermo del Toro. uh, Basically what most people call it is the fish fucking movie. And then three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Not about the three billboards in Cleveland recruiting LeBron to Philadelphia, (laughs) but about a much more serious issue in Ebbing, Missouri uh, that has to do with a mother hell-bent on avenging her daughter's rape. (laughs) Um, Personally, I... My favorite of all of them was Get Out. Um, But I, I still need to see Get Out. I've we Emily and I have had that queued up for a while, dude. It's so good. I heard it's awesome. It's just like one of those things where you're not expecting. Like you know, there's a twist, but you have yeah. like you're still surprised when the twist comes. Yeah, that I make- didn't do a good job of seeing all of them this year. We had Get Out, Lady Bird, ready to go. Lady Bird, Phantom Thread, I'm probably have to do on my own. Lady Bird, um, Lady Bird was good, Jordy. I'll give you that. Um, Shaver Water, I did not like. The thing that I think is going to win is the three billboards. I think three billboards will win ultimately. Yeah. Um, but I I hope Get Out wins because I personally liked it the most. But I think three billboards will ultimately That's what I've heard. That's what most people have said to me. Um, and a lot of the, the people that have been uh, betting it have liked the, the odds on it. So if you're a betting man, might want to go check that out. So what's your prediction? Um, yeah, I mean, from what I've heard, I've heard three billboards. And I think I've heard Phantom Thread are are up there. Uh, I probably would think three billboards just on how everything's been going. I'll probably win. Um, I was surprised. I, I haven't seen the post, but I had heard that it wasn't 
was really good performances from Meryl Streep and, and Tom Hanks, but I, I heard the movie itself fell flat at times. I haven't seen it. Um, but yeah, I'd love to see, I'd love to see get out win. I'd love to see Jordan Peele win for, for best director. I feel like Gerda Gerwig might win, especially, um, you know, after all the, the comments made at the golden globes where Guillermo del Toro won. And now I think it was Natalie Portman was the one presenting it made the, made the comments about the lack of female directors. So you might see the, the Academy go that way. Um, I enjoyed Dunkirk, but there, it, Christopher Nolan took his Christopher Nolan Ness to make it a little more complicated, I think, than it needed to be. Have you seen? Did you see Dunkirk? Um, bits and pieces, never the whole thing. Yeah, it was good. It was really good. It's a good war movie, but that without it's not really spoiling it because it's a historical event that he based it on. But he does like this time hop thing where it's three stories that take place over a different period of time that he jumps through, and they all meet up at the end of the movie. Um, to cross, to kind of find each other, but it's interesting. Go, you should see it; it's important to see, but yeah. um, learn a little bit about history. But you know, I think that uh, you know, I mean, before we really start rambling about movies, um, have you seen I think quickly. Have you seen uh, Black Panther? Dude, I saw Black Panther opening night. It um, is awesome. Yeah, I saw it this weekend. I loved it. Yeah, dude, that might be so. That's actually a good good movie thing to end on. So I think the last three Marvel movies that came out, all leading into Avengers 3, Avengers Infinity War, I think they've been my favorites, which were Spider-Man, Thor Ragnarok, and Black Panther. I also really like Captain America 2, uh, the Winter Soldier, just because it had a James Bond, Bond vibe to it. But so that'd be my Mount Rushmore, if you will. Uh, but Black Panther, man, if you haven't gone and seen that, that movie is fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, Black Panther was unbelievable in the fact that there's two uh, two white people that had actual like roles in it uh, yeah. that weren't just extras was was pretty impressive. Um, big news just came down the pipe: Rob Rob Gronkowski expected to return 100 percent to the Patriots, and um, we'll end on that. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah, that's per Ian Rappaport. I saw that earlier today. The uh, the not fired one. <laughs> But that's going to do it for us. As always, just make sure to uh, go check out the blog, thunderblogsports.com, thunderblg on Twitter, thunderblogsports on Facebook and Instagram. And for my man, Greg Piatelli, thank you as always. It's always a blast having you on. Jordy, you know, always a pleasure. You, uh, We say it every week. Super knowledgeable, know what you're talking about. Love the pod. Love the blog. Hell yeah. Um, Stay tuned for me and Greg coming back with the, the official return of the bullpen cart, by the way. Spring training is in full effect. Thunder BLG on, on whatever and Thunder blog on whatever and uh, like subscribe. I'm glad you know all the social media handles. What would you say? I'm glad I know you all the social media handles. Listen, I've listened to enough, enough pods that I got it down. I just uh, forget which one's Super Insta. fan. A super I, fan. Hey, listen, I just forget which one's Insta, which one's Twitter. But anyway, that's going to do it for us. BLG is Twitter, Greg. For my man, Greg Piatelli, I am the G-Man. Have a good night, everybody. Thanks again, and let's go Flyers.